Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? It is Monday, August 14th. Recording a little pod. Fresh off Lake Tahoe, which I cannot recommend enough. I know a lot of you guys, if you don't live on the West Coast, probably have never been. It is just a wonderful place. Uh, I've been going there, you know, I live, grew up two hours away. Came back to get out of the Arizona heat and just, it's the best. It, it's really hard to do. But, you know, even though I'm on a little vacation with the fam, I uh, I made sure to watch Trey Lance. So we, we peaked at, uh, didn't peak, I watched the whole game, until uh, the fourth quarter. But some thoughts on Trey Lance and just that, the latest, that situation. As well as just some other stuff, the Broncos, the Packers. And just in general, a lot of you guys have DM'd me uh, over the years, but I saw a couple today in, in my DMs. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. It's the mailbag. We will do a mailbag as well after some football talk about what the preseason kind of means and how basically coaches and scouts evaluate it. So we'll discuss that a little bit because it it does matter for a lot of guys. Uh, The the majority of, you know, a lot of these guys are going to get cut, but it doesn't mean their career is over. Some of them it will be. Some of this will be the uh, the highlight of their career, which doesn't suck. I mean, you, you made it to the NFL training camp, but a lot of these guys will be on practice squads. Just kind of how the whole thing works, the evaluations, um, some teams just can't keep people that they know are good players. It's just it's a numbers game. And other than that, I think that's it. So I'll have podcasts. I'll have one basically the next three days. I think I'm going to go on with Colin on Friday. Might maybe have my own podcast as well on Friday. So a lot of content coming. The preseason, in theory, can be cool. Then it, you know by the second half, you're like taking a nap. But uh, yeah, if you can ever get to Lake Tahoe, highly recommend it. Anyone that listens to this that has knows. If you don't, there's a reason why these guys go to that celebrity golf tournament, you know, that are from all over the country and that haven't spent time at Lake Tahoe and go every year. It's a, it, it's a truly, truly special place. It, it really is. It, it's good for the soul. That's all I'd say. Nothing like having a cocktail, a beer at Lake Tahoe. It doesn't get any better. We're playing a little golf on Friday. Uh, great place to play golf if you can ever swing it. Okay, let's dive in the pod. What I need you to do, is I need you to go to your smartphone and download the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. And they're friends of the podcast because we've used them. You guys have used them, and I can't recommend them enough. You want to go to one of these preseason games. You want to go to a regular season game, college football, baseball playoffs, comedy shows, concerts. They have you covered. Just go to the GameTime app. 
download it. Very easy to search interactive maps, find out where you can sit at what cost. And when you type in the promo code, John, that's promo code, John, J-O-H-N, you get $20 off your first pair of tickets. Can't recommend them enough. Game time promo code, John. Let's start with the most talked about backup quarter battle, backup quarterback battle for a good team in the history of the league. It is pretty nuts, but it is the main story out of the defending. I guess they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but a team that was in the NFC Championship the last two years, the defending NFC West champs, and a team that are going to be one of the three or four teams in the league to be heavy favorites to be back in that position again. And all we do, and listen, I'm in Northern California. Most of my friends are San Francisco 49er fans. It's all we talk about. Trey Lance versus Sam Darnold. The thing with the NFL, like in college football, and I've seen it firsthand, and anyone, I bet a lot of people listening either have kids in high school, maybe coach high school football, or just fans of high school football. There is a huge development uh, level to those sports, right? In high school, you continue to get better. In college, you continue to get better. In the NFL, there's some of that as well. And then there gets to a point where you're paid to play a lot of money. You're either good enough or you're not. And sometimes it's because guys didn't take it seriously. Guys are lazy. Guys may not be smart enough or whatever to run the offense or a defense or or whatever. There are different variables with every failed player. And sometimes it's just as simple as that guy's not good enough. Like he's just not a good enough player to be a starting player on a good team. And honestly, on bad teams, you're going to be bad if that guy starts because he's just not that good of a player. And I think sometimes we struggle to come to grips. And I don't really like the bust word because I've thrown it around a lot. And sometimes a guy is just overdrafted, right? Solomon Thomas, who the 49ers drafted number three overall, is going to have a 10-year career. Like to me, a bust is Jamarcus Russell out of the league. Hell, Cleland Farrell, who also likes Solomon Thomas, overdrafted, goes fourth overall, You're going to look up. The guy's going to play for a long, long time. To me, a bust is a guy who doesn't try Johnny Manziel, Jamarcus Russell. If you end up playing in the NFL for a long time, like, I don't know. Maybe it's on the team. Maybe it was on us on the outside. Like, is Marcus Mariota a bust? You're like, well, he was a second pick overall. And you look up, he's played in the NFL for 13 years. So, like, I, I struggle with that one. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but if you can play in the league, for a long period of time, just because you got drafted seventh and you should have been a third-round pick. If Solomon Thomas or Cleland Furl were third-round picks and you look up and you're like, God, that guy played for 10 years. You're like, what a draft pick, right? But the moment you're drafted really high, to me, that that's on the GM and the coach. Players don't get to pick themselves, right? Or they'd all pick themselves in the top five. So when you're drafted, like, Trey Lance was the player he was when the 49ers drafted him. He was a raw product who they thought had a lot of upside. And I was all for it because under no circumstances can you take Mac Jones. But the simple reality is that pick, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, is a disaster. Because what we witnessed the other day, and I thought this the moment they signed Sam Darnold. Because if you're Sam Darnold and you sign with the 49ers, listen, we can debate how good the guy is, how much upside there is left in the player. He's 25 years old. Here's what I know. Look around the league at the backup quarterbacks. If you don't think there would have been a line of teams that would have looked at Sam Darnold and said, we will sign you to be the backup quarterback. You're you're crazy. The 49ers publicly have expressed over and over, we signed him to compete for the backup quarterback. Well, any human being will go to the place where your spot is set, right? If you have options. And Sam Darnold came to the 49ers when publicly they're saying he's competing to be the number two. Give me a break. The moment Sam Darnold 
was signed for $3.5 million. He was the 49ers backup. Sometimes in life, things are rigged. A lot of us work in different industries where you go, that's not fair. Welcome to society. Right? We talk about it all the time in politics. This was a rigged thing. Just like last season, the 49ers, and I was going to a lot of the practices last year with Trey Lance. He was average at best. He had some good days, but a lot of bad days for a team that had Super Bowl hopes. And then right before training camp ended, because Jimmy Garoppolo had some uh, physical question marks. Could he pass physicals? How healthy was he? How much money did he want? They re-signed him. Why would they do that? It wasn't just, all oh, the value. It was because they were very nervous with Trey Lance. And obviously, it was taken out of their hands when he got injured. But I believe this to my core, that if Trey Lance in the first month of last season would have struggled, they would have gone to the bullpen very fast. On Saturday this weekend, Bruce Bochy made his return to play the San Francisco Giants. His starting pitcher did not make it through two innings. He treated the bad boy like a playoff game. He always has. That's why he's won a lot in big moments. Kyle Shanahan would have done the same. The ship would not have sank with Trey Lance last year, assuming he stays healthy and was not playing very well. He's just not that good. And when you watch him, there are just basic things you don't need to be Bill Walsh or Bill Parcells to see. He's not a very comfortable player. When you watch a quarterback, you can just see there's like a tension in their body, right? They're either just smooth. Watch Bryce Young with the Panthers. Whether it's good or bad, he looks very just comfortable in the position of standing at the quarterback position. Trey Lance never looks comfortable, ever. And there's a robotic nature to the way the guy moves. Part of drafting a dual threat quarterback, which he was billed at, is getting a dual threat. Right, You get it with Lamar, you get it with Kyler, you get it with uh, Josh Allen. Hell, even Patrick Mahomes gives you some of that. His athleticism is basically zilch relative to the way it was built. And then from a throwing motion, he actually, his arm strength is okay, but he, he should have thrown two picks. Both were dropped, and one was in the red zone. And Rich Gannon one time said on a broadcast that a coach told him that when you throw an interception in the red zone, it's equivalent to killing a young baby. He called it the baby zone. And listen, that that was not Rich Gannon's take. That was what a coach told him a long time ago. And it's a disaster. And he threw one. It just happened to bounce off the guy's hand and land in a 49ers. So he gets credit for a touchdown. And honestly, you look at his numbers. I don't think numbers, for the most part, in the preseason and definitely in training camp practices, mean a fucking thing. Kyle Shanahan does not go and just look at his stats. Because if you just watch the game, you went, whoa, that's pretty bad. And he's not a comfortable player. And you could say, well, their offensive line was the backups. Well, the Raiders were rolling with the backups. Everyone's playing with the backups for the most part in these positions. He's uncomfortable. And it's very, very difficult for a good team to have an uncomfortable quarterback who's 23 and who started four games in NFL in his NFL career. He just hasn't played. He, I, I saw Colin calling him a major project still. They're not in the project game. They swung and they missed. And sometimes that happens in any industry. There are no guarantees. None. Right? And, and unlike a lot of industries where it's much closer to a guarantee because you're like purchasing this building. We have leases in every single unit for the next eight years guaranteed X amount of money. Like It's on paper. It's not going to change. It's the fixed cost. In football and in sports in general, you're dealing with human beings. There is nothing fixed about human beings. Some guys ascend, right? They just, for whatever reason, Josh Allen's a good example. He just kept getting better. 
It's like he just kept improving and improving and improving from that raw product that he was. And we say this all the time with high ceiling guys. I'm a high ceiling guy. I, I will repeat over and over. I was for the Trey Lance pick. It hasn't worked. It's a disaster. There are a lot of different variables, but anytime you make those trades and a guy is going to be your third string quarterback, because don't get it twisted, that's the third string quarterback. And if we want to take the conversation a step further, I think the question mark is, would Kyle Shanahan make Brandon Allen the third? They're not going to cut him because of the financial ramifications on the salary cap of his dead money accelerates. But would they do a little bit like different scenario, but I'll just use this example. When the Denver Broncos traded Vaughn Miller to the Rams, remember, it's like, well, the Rams don't have any cap space. They ate, I forget the exact number, but it was either like seven of his eight million or eight million of his nine million. And the Rams gave them extra picks. Could the 49ers do some scenario? They ain't getting extra picks, but hey, we will eat because no one's picking up his fifth year option. Will we pick up if he has, you know, I think it's eight million this year, nine million next year? We'll pick up half of that. You give us a six round pick and we'll just wave the white flag. I think that's on the table 100%. And Kyle Shanahan, because listen, he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but the 49ers before he showed up were a fucking embarrassment. They went back, they went three years in a row where they essentially fired Jim Harbaugh. They hired Jim Tom Sula, who is just one of the all time laughing stock one and dones in the history of the league. And then they hired Chip Kelly, who was more respectable, but his team actually wins loss was, I think it's one of the worst, definitely the worst defense in Niner history. And they won two games. It led him to Kyle Shanahan, and it led him to going to three NFC championships in the last four years and turning this franchise back into the behemoth that historically it has been in terms of for the league. It does huge television ratings. They play in massive games. Fox absolutely loves these guys because they love them. The Packers, the Cowboys, the Eagles, they want love mixing up all those matchups. So Kyle Shanahan has a lot of equity for a guy that has not won a Super Bowl. If he waves the white flag on this quarterback, which I'm telling you he is going to do, because he will not play with a guy who can't complete layups, who you can't trust to do basic stuff. You do not need to be a quarterback coach to watch a guy who is not just uncomfortable, who does not look like he sees the field. And you can't play the quarterback position if you can't see the field. It's why we have so many quarterback misses, right? Because just because you see the field, maybe your talent's not good enough and you never are good enough to be a starter. And if you don't see the field, but you have these physical attributes, a lot of people in the league take chances on you because they think they can coach it up. They think they can mold you. They got big egos. I mean, they're making a ton of money. They've done it before and they think they can do it again. And it's why you get so many random guys kind of coming out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins is a 15-year starter. Brock Purdy's a starting quarterback for the 49ers because there's an instinctive element to their game. There is like innate stuff from a quarterback play level that is hard to quantify. That's why some guys are better quarterback evaluators than others. Andy Reid can see that shit. Kyle, pretty good at it. Sean McVay can get the most out of guys. And for whatever reason, they thought they could coach that up in Trey. And now three years, limited games, but whatever, just does not really have it. He's just not a very good player. Under no circumstances, if I owned a team or I was a GM of a team, would I want that guy to be in my quarterback room? This is the pros. This isn't like, oh, he's a really good guy. Yeah, who cares? But a lot of good guys in the league can't play a lick, end up selling insurance, starting podcasts, doing other shit. <laughs> this, is, this is the highest level. You either get it done or you don't, or you get replaced. And the, the, the Niners are a great example. They literally drafted a guy 
uh, Mr. Relevant, last pick of the draft. Boom. He was the lock starter going into year two. That's how fast it happens. It's what I love about the league. There aren't any sacred cows. Like if Aaron Donald just falls off a cliff, like he just can't really play. Let's say like this year, maybe just because of his greatness, he'd get like two years, but it would, his clock would start. Like that's how fast it happens. Jerry Jones loved Ezekiel Elliott. Clearly, I think any Cowboy fan listening would agree. It's probably one of his favorite players. Guy he's gone to back, bat for from a character standpoint when he was going through some shit, when he was balling. Jerry took a lot of pride in Zeke. When they pulled the trigger, drafted a running back that high, and then it worked out, they just cut him. I mean, they, they took a dead cap hit because of cutting the guy. Like that's it, The NFL is ruthless, and there's no position that is more ruthless on than quarterback because the moment I don't think you can play, I got to get rid of you. I can't hold on. Peyton Manning, at the end of his career, they won the Super Bowl and his arm wasn't working. Didn't really want to retire. The league didn't want him anymore. Drew Brees, like, it was over. Roethlisberger, it just ends. And I'm talking about those guys are like Hall of Famers. Sometimes young guys, you just can't play. And definitely for the 49ers. Like, you can't watch that game, pull up his clips, and think like, yeah, this guy's long for the team. Because you got to remove the money. They'll figure that out. Everyone always does. They'll have to eat some money or whatever, but my takeaway has all one. My stance was always Sam Darnold is going to be the backup. Not only has that never changed, I feel I'd place ten thousand dollars on that today. I, I was I not that I was unsure, but I wouldn't have just put a lot of money on it just because weird shit happens. I have one hundred percent to zero with a pie chart. Sam Darnold is going to be the backup. One one takeaway from that game is is Trey Lance going to be on the team? I don't know how they facilitate it. I don't know the team they trade him to, but these are the conversations that are being had. I've worked in these buildings. I know what these people talk about. They're not talking about the stock market. They're not talking about like who's going to win the NL East. They talk about individual batters and they talk about the most important battles. And obviously for the 49ers, you know, I think the Trey Lance experiment draft pick did not work out and the writings on the wall that it's it's over much sooner than later. And I was thinking about this and I've I've tweeted this out. It's just a fascinating thing that Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, right? Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star. Kid's a baller. But the next two picks in that draft, which was billed as this great quarterback draft, were Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. And I think both of them speak to the year that was 2020 in college football. right? Depending on where you played, even the SEC. I always heard things about Alabama and their training regiments. Like It didn't really flinch in 20. And listen, the SEC played all their games, right? So they, they, they didn't flinch as a conference. But I think different schools had different battles with weight room and training. And, and Alabama was ahead of the curve. And Mac Jones had one of the great seasons of all time. They kicked everyone's ass. They worked everyone. Kind of a unique year. Like, it's not truly normal. They've had years where they've also done that that were more impressive than that thing. But when you look at Trey Lance, he literally played one game that no one counted. It was a game out of thin air. It was stupid. You can't take anything away from it. And Zach Wilson, who historically BYU plays a very good schedule. Anyone that follows college football knows they play countless top 20 teams throughout the season, right? I mean, they they play all the Pac-12 schools. They'll play Notre Dame. They'll play whoever. They, they do not shy away. BYU is a great place to evaluate future good players in the NFL. When I was scouting, uh, Ziggy Ansa was coming out, and boom, he started shooting up the draft boards. Fred Warner on the night. Like, they got a lot of good players. I don't need to list them all that play in the league. Zach Wilson's season that year, because a lot of the teams they were playing didn't play out of conference games. So they canceled them all. If you go back and look at BYU, his main season, it was against nobodies. 
And he was good. And I liked him. I was intrigued. But looking back, like Trey Lance did not play a game and Zach Wilson played nobody's. And they went two and three. Now, I would say that the Jets are probably still more bullish on there. Some hope with Zach Wilson. Still a long way to go. Not that he, they could make him the starter this year if Aaron Rodgers hadn't existed. They had to go in a different direction. But he's going to be the backup quarterback, at least of you know middle of August. But Trey Lance, like th- those two picks, just kind of a disaster. And listen, I was also hammering, like I would have taken Justin Fields over all those guys based on the physical attributes, the speed, his production in those playoff games. But even he has some major question marks. And Mac Jones, to me, my take is not going to change. I think he's going to get everybody fired in New England. So the quarterback draft, like that year for position players, was fantastic. And a lot of guys like sat out. Panay Sewell, Micah Parsons, right? I mean, these guys didn't play. Jamar Chase, like the elite of the elite, wouldn't have mattered, right? For the quarterbacks, though, I think beside Trevor Lawrence, who had multiple years even before that season of a resume, I think manipulated the process, tricked and fooled some people, and are in the situation they're in now. Uh, in historic two guys drafted in the top three that going into their third year are still on the same team that drafted them are not going to be the starters. It's like a list of like four guys. And one of them is like Steve Spurrier. It doesn't happen. Especially not based on injury too. Completely healthy. And Trey's going to be the third string quarterback assuming that they don't trade him and just make Brandon Allen that guy from a financial standpoint that he's just way cheaper. So it, it just shows you things change fast in the NFL is what fascinates me about the business. And these teams, especially when you're winning, don't have time to fuck around. And I, I think the uh, the hopes and the prayers and the dreams of Trey Lance are, are kind of coming to fruition when it comes to the 49ers, and it's just kind of time to move on. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. A couple other things. Russell Wilson played into, I think, four series. I was thinking about this on the drive home today from Lake Tahoe is Sean Payton became kind of like an, I don't want to say a legend, but yeah, I mean, legend. He, he was Super Bowl uh, champion for a team that was a complete joke in the New Orleans Saints. You win a Super Bowl with the Saints who forever were the Aints. Like that was a legendary performance. And then went on to just have a lot of success winning games in the league, consistently winning a division uh, and being the offensive play caller for you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
When he got there, Drew Brees, you know, coming off the shoulder injuries, like going into his prime, and they just molded together. And they were on the same page. They built the offense around his skill set. And they were just awesome for a long period of time. But they had a lot, you know, he knew exactly what he was. Fantastic pocket quarterback, not a very athletic guy, and just had to win with supreme accuracy, right? He's one of, if not him and Steve Young, the most accurate quarterbacks ever. You could argue these last Moving forward, it probably gets manipulated a little bit with the way football's played. But Russell Wilson's the complete opposite. What made Russell a legendary player, a future Hall of Famer, was like this ad-lib ability. He was an elite athlete. You never knew what was going to happen. And that, at the same time, used to drive Pete Carroll, who's a fantastic football coach, won a Super Bowl, won national champions championships, uh, has just won for the last 20 years. Frustrating, because he didn't ever know what was going to happen. He's a little old school you know, likes predictable things. And I, I do wonder, one, the Broncos aren't nearly as good as we thought they were going to be last year, even if they would have had a good coach. Because part of the problem now is if Russell is not really good, and he no longer is. Now, is he the set eighth best quarterback or is he like the 19th best quarterback? To me, that's up for debate. And we're going to we're gonna learn that this season. Some people, if you're bullish, like Sean Payton can get him in the fringe top 10 again. I'm one of those guys, I'm starting to get a little nervous. One, their offensive line is not going to be good. So he's going to be running for his life. And he doesn't want to run for his life anymore. That's not how he wants to play. He doesn't want to get hit. Now, he's still the arm strength can throw a great deep ball. But like, he's not, he, he can't play like Drew Brees. That's never been his style, right? Greg Maddox did not play like Randy Johnson. Not all players are the same. Steph Curry, LeBron James, guys play differently, right? Steve Young became a great player when he just started dominating from the pocket and he stopped running. He was really accurate. You know, Russell, like, I, I don't view the guy as Mr. Accuracy. I view the guy as Mr. Playmaker, and those days are kind of done. So I guess where I'm getting at, I do think, listen, Sean Payton making all this money, Russell making all this money, ton of pressure on the organization. I do think it could go bad. I, I really do. Okay. I think they're probably much closer to a seven-win team than competing to make the playoffs. And I, I, I feel better and better. Like, Sean Payton's telling you, like, he's kind of saying some crazy shit. Uh, obviously, he's playing these guys. They're big free agency signings. The the guard and McGlinchey, my buddies in the league that are on playoff teams that do this, evaluate these guys, how they feed their families are like, God, I didn't know much about the guard. I've watched McGlinchey forever. Like McGlinchey can start if he's your fifth best offensive lineman and you can run the ball. He's not great in pass protection. So if you think Russell, like just because McGlinchey didn't play in the preseason game, it's not like you're bringing in Lane Johnson, Trent Williams. Or, uh, you know, Tony Baselli's coming back for you. He, this guy is a limited pass blocker, right? He can run block. But I don't know, man. You're going to get in positions where it's second and nine, third and ten. Is Russell going to be willing to run for his life and play like he once played? I, I'm very, very skeptical. So they have some talent on their team, clearly pretty flawed. And I just think there's this Sean Payton and Drew Brees were always like one together. They really were. They both were hired and signed at the same time, and they grew together. That's not the case here. You got Russell, who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, who's married to a celebrity, who's kind of got this weird persona. You got Sean Payton, who's like this hired gun, who's wired like a Parcells. I just don't know if it's going to mesh. I, I I would probably bet against it. And uh, the other thing is, I know cowards low on love, Jordan Love. And I'm not saying I'm high on the guy. I, I'm betting against him just because of the history of the league. But I, I was in the car and I heard him call him a game manager. Like, that's what they're going to look for. Like, that is exactly what they're going to look for. 
And I think the way Jordan Love, and I think Jordan Love and his agent know it. Because think about last year, Daniel Jones going into that season. Joke. Everyone made fun of him. Like, this guy's not any good. This guy's a complete bust. And then he doesn't have his you know fifth-year option picked up, plays it out, and signs for $40 million a year. So even if you go, well, that's best-case scenario, quarterbacks are so valuable. Jimmy Garoppolo had a shattered foot who couldn't get traded a year before, signed for $75 million and over 30 guaranteed to the Raiders, right? The quarterbacks make outrageous sums of money. It's not like when you see an NBA contract, you're like, they gave who, what? What are we doing? That's a lot like quarterback contracts. And Jordan Love, you know, agree, had to agree, it takes two to tango to do his little contract extension because they weren't going to pick up the fifth-year option. I think that tells you, obviously, for the Packers, you do it because you want to mitigate your risk, right, if it's not good. But if you're Jordan Love and you have some self-belief slash the agent, you go, man, if we just win eight, nine games and, and you throw 25 touchdowns and this team's competitive, like, what are you worth to them, right? What are you worth to them? And I'll tell you, at minimum, like $20 million a year, he signed a two-year $11 million contract extension. So all he has to do, like this team is actually pretty equipped to play like they originally did when LaFleur showed up with Rodgers. Like, listen, just take a deep breath. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to try to play some defense. We've got a lot of young pieces. And what they did, LaFleur was there with Sean McVay when they resurrected the Rams and turned Jared Goff into a real player. Why? Because everything is based off the play action. We're going to run the ball down your throat, and we're going to do the boots, the waggles, the nakeds, and the nudes, as Tom Coughlin once called them, and give you half your throws are going to be layups. Right now, if you can't hit the layups, and not everyone can, Trey Lance, you can't play in this offense. You got no chance. And, and maybe that's the case, and we'll see. I know he missed one in the preseason, but like, listen, I, I think the Packers are telling you with the contract, and Jordan Love, by signing the contract, is a little nervous that it might not go well. But I do think they are going to ask him to be a game manager. Like th That is going to be his role. I mean, that's, that's really a lot what this offense, especially with a non-Aaron Rodgers-level quarterback, asks you to do. Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, just get it out to our playmakers, and we'll run the fucking ball right down people's throats, and we'll put up 30 points a game. Now, I don't know if the Packers are quite as good as those two teams, Right. But they're not that far away. They, they do have a lot of talent, especially if these young wide receivers are good. So uh, I, I think just get ready. If you're a Packer fan, like the, the days of playing like Rodgers and Favre are done. Like th those are done. Now, just because we're going to play like a game manager doesn't mean it's always going to work. But when it does work, when he's winning, right? And when Jim Harbaugh first showed up with uh, to the 49ers, what did, Aaron, what did uh, Alex Smith do? They game manage you to death. Now, their defense was awesome. And I think any Packer fan knows. Defense has been very questionable for the years. So the defense got to be better. They've invested a million picks on that side of the ball. Eventually, it's just as Gudikins miss on these guys. Is your defensive coordinator bad? Um, so th that's going to be, to me, a huge emphasis for that team. And other than that, I got a DM just asking me about the preseason because, like, what do you make of it? And every team is a little different, right? Tomlin will play as starters. Andy will play as starters. I know the Saints looking to resurrect their franchise, played some of their starters in Derek Carr. So some teams look at it differently than Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels. Every guy was in street clothes. I, in 2023, uh, would lean that way as a GM and definitely as an owner. It's like, I'm paying way too many guys, way too much money to break a leg in some game in the middle of August. But, like, <laughs> Andy winning Super Bowls, I mean, he clearly kind of knows what he's doing. Right? Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. So these guys aren't the village idiots when it comes to August football. But beside the main guys, and whether Mahomes or whoever struggles, like whatever, it, none of it matters with established players with a resume. We judge them off regular season game. 
But when it comes to the backups and when it comes to the young players, you are not just fighting for slots on your team. If you don't make your team, it's a resume for the entire league. For two years when I worked for the Eagles, I was a pro scout before I went to college. And during this period of time, it gets split up between your scouting department, you know, every depending on how established you are, right? I think my first year, I got five teams. By the second year, I was a full-time pro scout. I got like 12 teams. And you evaluate every fourth to seventh round pick, every undrafted free agent that got a signing bonus, and then every returning practice squad guy. You give a grade for his preseason games. And then when the big cut comes down, you have them like, is that an upgrade over your team? Right. Is if it's a guard, hey, I think this guard is a 53 man guy. We need a guard. This guy's going to get cut. And maybe he doesn't get cut. Maybe he plays himself onto a team. But you're getting evaluated, not just by your own team. Because sometimes a team goes, shit, we love this guy. We think he's a 53 man guy, but he's a he's our seventh D lineman on the Cowboys. We don't have any room for him. Right. Depending on your team, or he's like the sixth receiver on Seattle. It's like we, we just don't have a spot. We're cutting him just because it's the business we're in. It's a numbers game. Right. And sometimes you try to, Maybe start hiding them in the preseason game, but you're getting evaluated by the entire league. The other thing these front offices do is they look at teams. I always use the Cowboys example that know their position of strength. That go, hey, they they are going to cut potentially an active roster guy to put on their practice squad. That if we need that position, we should be all over this group. And then as it goes to the pro scouts, it kind of the highest graded guys get watched by your director of personnel, your GM, and you kind of put together a plan of attack. It's why whoever your favorite team is right now, you have to do the best job humanly possible of like, can we keep this player if you view him as a 53-man guy, even if you don't have the numbers? Like, how can we manipulate our roster? Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes you legitimately don't have a spot. And sometimes you go, and I saw it last year with the 49ers with Brock Purdy. They re-signed Jimmy. They just cut Sudfeld, even though they gave him $2 million because like, we like Purdy. We are not cutting Brock Purdy. We are not risking. Because the moment you cut a player, a recently drafted guy, a last-year practice squad guy, he is subject to waivers. And the moment a guy's subject to waivers, any other team that claims that guy, now granted, they would have to put him on their active roster, he's no longer on your team. So if you're willing to cut a player after the preseason to you know to cut down to 53, you have to acknowledge you may never get him back. He might be gone. He may no longer be your player. A lot of times you got a pretty good idea, like this guy's probably going to get claimed, but it is what it is. And sometimes you trade that player. But a lot of times you get guys like, God, we were hoping to get him on the practice squad and he gets claimed. Quarterbacks now with the third quarterback, it'd be very, very risky. Like I'm watching Aiden O'Connell. Honestly, I didn't watch much Purdue football the last couple of years. My big takeaway watching him, and this gets back to Trey Lance, the, the Raiders, not in a million years, would you trade Aiden O'Connell, your fourth round pick for Trey Lance? They would say no faster I mean, than your head would spin. I mean, they, they couldn't say no fast enough. And that's how things, it's what I love about this time. Some guys are taking huge steps. Some guys are getting worse. Some vets are like, hey, let's, how about this right guard that we got? Seventh-year player, we owe him $8 million this year. The guy we just drafted in the fifth round is every bit as good. And maybe he's 90% as good as the guy, but by the end of the season, he'll be as good and he's way cheaper. So a lot of these discussions surround money. Because the moment you're a vested veteran and you've been in the league, I think it's four-plus years, the moment you make a regular season roster week one, so if I'm a guard and I'm a seventh-year guy, just pick a random team. I play for the Bengals, and I'm fighting for my spot, right? It's me and this me and this fourth-round pick. We're battling for the starting right guard. And I've been the starter for a couple of years, but I'm battling for my spot. If that guy proves to be as good as me, 
they won't keep me on the roster because if I'm the starting guard for them week one and they, they're on the fence, they owe me my entire $8 million or $5 million or whatever you're paying me. It's guaranteed then the rest of the season. So it's why a lot of fringe veteran guys that make decent amount of money that are getting pushed or even if it's, even if there's not clearly worse than the young player, it's just an economic game and go, God, we could save, I don't know, three, five, ten million dollars over a couple year period on a guy that by the end of the season could be better than that guy. And he's younger and he's ascending and maybe we're doing a scheme change. So there, there is a ton going on right now. But just know this. While you and me, and now I definitely do, might fall asleep on the couch in the second half of a preseason game and have our girlfriend, our wife, our father, our friends go, yeah, just yeah, turn on the PGA Golf Tournament, you know, t- turn it on to something else. Those those plays are being watched by the league. They, they are being heavily, heavily uh, just combed through. Plays broken down, cut-up tapes made. Because think how many teams have positions of needs. I don't care how good you are. Every team has a question mark at a position group. And these guys and these guys know it. And they're told that when training camp starts all throughout training camp, just because you might not make our team, just because you might not be repping with the twos and you're repping with the threes, the entire NFL is watching. So when you hear the cliche thing that a lot of people make fun of, the eye in the sky doesn't lie, it is true during this period of time. Because for a lot of guys, especially those that end up playing on practice squads for a couple of years, this is their only uh, resume. This is the only time that they get filmed because they might not get to play next year or this year, whatever, in the NFL. So that film kind of keeps them alive in the NFL. And it's it's hard. I've been the guy that cuts players. I've also seen the reaction of guys that make teams. It's a For some of these guys that won't make the NFL and won't make an NFL team, Making a touchdown in the fourth quarter, putting on that jersey and just getting to play 10 snaps in front of their parents, that's pretty cool. I mean, it really is. I'm not the biggest sap. I'm not the most emotional individual when it comes to anything in business. But like, I will acknowledge you were some guy, smaller school, maybe non-Power 5, making tackles in the fourth quarter of NFL games against the Cowboys, against the Eagles, you know, against the Chiefs. Like, that's... That's a moment that your family will get pictures of that will hang in your house. Like that's that's cooler than any of us that never got to the NFL, that never were good enough to sniff playing college football, that just love the sport, maybe played in high school. That, that, that is a moment that a lot of these guys are going to realize. And some of those guys then are on that next level of like going to be a practice squad guy, but still going to have to fight for his life. And uh it's it's a doggy dog time because this is not this period in the NFL is not about schemes. It, it's not about game plans. It's about evaluations. It's a it's the last time in the league, right, or of the calendar year beside the trade deadline that even if it's a packed trade deadline, you're talking a couple players. You get free agency, you get the draft, and then you get this big cut down. So you got three main times to add, improve, and change your roster. And these next, whatever the official date is, August 31st, September 1st, whatever that date is, is a massive, massive time for NFL teams. Okay, let's get to a little thing we call the mailbag. And the way you get in that mailbag is at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. We'll start with Heinz. My dad used to work a lot with Heinz ketchup back in the day. For the mailbag, Zach Martin. Great job by Jerry holding the line. As a Giants fan, I'm sad, was hoping we could trade for him. Is Dak going to love having trouble? getting paid 
Love the pod and Galo. Great work. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> Jerry Jones would never in a million years trade Zach Martin to the Giants, but do agree. I also think, you know, here's the thing with Saquon. He was arguing over a small percentage of money, right? He was getting paid 10. He thought he was worth 16. They were offering 13. You're talking 15, 20%, right? And sometimes it's easy to hold the line when you know they can break down. But once you pass that date, Saquon was never going to get any more money. They just put it into a signing bonus, incentivize some stuff, right? So he just didn't have an op- option. Zach Martin is making 14 and he wanted whatever, 20. So Jerry kind of what guaranteed some money the next year, added like eight and a half million basically to his contract, guarantee wise. But I agree. I once you get to a certain point, I understand drawing a line in the sand. I remember Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack did it because they were about to make 87 and 90 million dollars. Like Nick Bose is not showing up. He knows, you know, his, his rookie contract, whatever, 30 million dollars. He's talking about a contract that's probably 115 million dollars guaranteed. So it's like I'm not just holding the line. Like we're talking an astronomical amount of money. I think in Zach Martin's situation, like Jerry kind of had him by the balls, right? Just like the Giants had Saquon by the balls. Daniel Jones, you know, had some leverage. Like, who are you, who are you gonna what are you gonna do? Sign Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that what you're gonna do, Brian Dayball? I'll call your bluff. I bet you won't. And he didn't, and they got more money. So hey, business is all about leverage at the high. I mean, talking these price points. Some of us to just do normal deals. It's pretty easy, right? You just some some deals come together very, very easily. And some, I don't care whether you're in tech, Wall Street, or the NFL. You start talking, whatever, nine figures, $100 million plus, those are complicated. They really are. And when they're not, it shows you how good of a business partner you have. Like, I know how he said the Jalen Hurts deal was easy to do. The Ravens got a little difficult. But part of that was there were some other variables. But ultimately, Herbert, easy deal to do. I think anytime you can be in business with people, and just have easy deals shows you and everyone's profiting and everyone's doing well, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a podcast, whether it's I don't a bank. Those are the type of people you want to do business with because we've all been in situations and relationships are very similar, right? Personal and professional. They can be difficult and difficult relationships. If they're profitable are worth it. But if you kind of question, it's like, ah, oh, I don't know. Question for the pod. If Caleb has the season, we all anticipate him to have at USC and is looked at like the number one overall pick in 24. Do you anticipate the team holding the number one pick in the draft to target Lincoln Riley prior to the draft as their replacement head coach since he has a rapport with Caleb? Obviously, the team would need to have a head coaching vacancy, but if you're holding the first overall pick, the head coach is likely gone anyway. I I do think it depends, right? Look at last year. The Chicago Bears had it. They they brought the same coach back. Sometimes, you know, first-year head coach, team could be terrible, right? The Cardinals, are they going to fire Gannon? Probably not. The Colts, let's just say they're terrible. Are they, are they going to fire him? No. D'Amico, let's say they're god-awful. D'Amico's good. So I, I do think it's depending on the situation. When you end up there with, right, Trevor Lawrence, that year they had a, a head coaching vacancy. So I, I guess it's possible. Now, Lincoln is much more accomplished than Cliff. Crazy thing is Lincoln and Cliff, both Texas Tech guys, both buddies. Now Cliff's on his staff. But I think when you do that, it's like, well, this guy knows Kyler. It's like, ah, you know, a lot of people. Did did anyone of the Colts know Peyton Manning? Did Belichick know Tom Brady? It's not not necessity. And if you're a good enough player, like you're going to help make the coach a legend. 
So I, I don't think it's a lock. I, I think it's like you said, a lot of variables there. I think a lot of the teams that could potentially have the first pick could just have holdover coaches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. My favorite football pod, but I like this guy. Have you ever heard of owners paying players under the table to satisfy, satisfy a difficult negotiation? Jerry Jones got more money than I can spend. I'm sure he thinks of giving Zach some money off to the side. Thoughts? I think there are ways you can kind of do it legally, right? Like you could help facilitate your guy getting commercials. You could help facilitate those guys in your market getting deals. It's easier for, you know, George Kittle has a lot of marketing deals around San Francisco. Like did the 49ers directly give him money, but can they help him get those? Obviously, Jerry, I think the Rams, some of the New York teams. So I think there are benefits and that's not illegal. There are benefits of doing that. I think it is so risky and, and football is such a sport of people just talking and everyone essentially just gossiping throughout the league. And I, I think the penalties would be so extreme because if you got caught paying a premium player cash under the table, just blatantly cheating, the league would have no choice but to come at you with the fire of a thousand suns. So did it probably used to happen uh, all the time in pre-internet, pre-emails, pre-phones, 100%. 70s, 80s, 90s, no doubt, right? Honestly, even probably early internet. I just think the ability to track stuff, hard to trust, you know, that just no one's going to say anything. I doubt it. I, I, I really do. Not saying it doesn't, but I, I think the way that like, you would watch like a mob movie, right? I, I don't. I, I don't. And I, I'm not naive about business. Listen, the private sector, 
those of you guys that work in certain industries, the alcohol industry is notoriously one. I went to dinner recently with a guy that's in Arizona that's a part of a company that's just kind of a heavy hitter and, you know, the alcohol business. I'll just keep it that way. Keep it universal. And he's like, honestly, you know, it used to be much more the Wild West than it is now. Just regulations. It's too risky to get caught. Not saying that there aren't some like, you know, $10,000 handshakes, but for the most part, it's just not worth it. We're, we're all making too much money. We're all making too much money. And ultimately, some of them, to make a move, because ultimately, like, what are you giving them on the table? You're not going to give them $10 million on the table, so you give them a couple million dollars. Is, it, is that actually worth it to lose a first-round pick? It's just, it's just not, right? Or lose multiple first-round picks? Like, if you got caught paying some sweet player, look, let's say the, let's say, I'll give you an example. Let's say the 49ers paid Nick Bosa 75 guaranteed. And people are like, what? He got way less than his brother? And then it's like, are they paying him on the table? And let's say they were. They were paying him like, I don't know, $20 million a year. Why don't they just pay him out of the salary cap, the money that they're getting from the media deal anyway? Doesn't Isn't that the way to make sense? Okay. Joe, just watched the condensed version of the Niner and Raider preseason game today. Gotta say that trade did not impress. And I thought Sam looked pretty good. I've heard you talk about being a Niner fan growing up, and I feel those biases tend to come out in some of your takes. Anyway, I feel like everything changed for the better once Kyle Shanahan showed up. Niners were winning more games, scoring more points, and in general, more exciting to talk about. Do you think Kyle will stay with us long term, or do you think he could actually finish the job and win a Super Bowl? Yeah, it's just the biggest obstacle the Niners have to overcome is they are in a tier right now with the Chiefs, who kicked their ass last year, the Bengals, the Bills, and whoever else comes out of the AFC, who have franchise quarterbacks, right? And usually, when you look at the quarterbacks that win the Super Bowl, Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, right? Uh, who won it? Stafford. It's usually high-end guys. Now, you can argue Stafford all you want, but he's a high-end talent, and he was had a high-end year. It's very rare that like the Flacco's win it. Brad Johnson, and there is a major question mark on Brock Purdy. Not the ver- like the guy we saw last year in those games was really good. I've been watching football professionally for a long time. He was fucking good. He was better than Jimmy was, and Jimmy was fine. But they proved that they can compete for a Super Bowl with Jimmy. So if Purdy is going to be better than Jimmy, like they have a chance. It's just abnormal to do it. And maybe Purdy goes on to have a long career and he becomes like the next Cousins. But it's hard, you know? So I, I think that's their biggest question mark is can they win the Super Bowl without Mahomes, without Josh Allen, without Burrow? There was a reason they tried to get Matt Stafford. The Rams ultimately got him. Little inside job with Jared Goff, which honestly a great trade for the Ram, or the, the Lions. But they wanted Matt Stafford because like the Rams, they had the same freaking idea. They drafted Trey Lance hoping that they could get Josh Allen. And he looks more like uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Hey, John, big picture question for you at the pod. What are some key elements NFL coaches are looking for in the preseason from coaches, challenges to players? As a casual fan, I'm unsure what coaches are looking for but uh, because we are watching practice squad guys play. We talked about it earlier in the podcast, but another thing is most of these teams are not game planning, right? What will happen over the next couple weeks? Starting, you got a pretty good idea by about mid-August what your 53 is. Maybe a guy here, a guy there. You start as practice goes, like if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
what are you going to start doing? You're going to start preparing in practice just leading up to week one, period here, period there for your defense and your offense against looks of the 49ers. If you're the Bears or the Packers, you start using some of their scheme stuff to practice against. And I think it'll start within the next couple days. Leading up to the first preseason game, you're just putting in your offense and your defense. And when you call plays, it's just calling plays that you have. That's your playbook. And then once the season starts, you run your playbook, but it's all scheme specific based on the game plan, right? You just have a general playbook and then you add plays and stuff as the season goes on based on the teams you're playing, based on the defenses or offenses you're playing. So when you see the practice squad guys or the young backup guys, you just want to see if they can execute the offense, right? Like, you know, this rookie seventh round receiver, like, can he run the routes? We're telling him, does he know the plays? Does he block? Does he try hard? Is this talent going to translate? So in your scheme, like in your, can he execute your stuff? And, and really in the preseason games, when that guy plays a lot, that's all they're looking for. And maybe if he's like, you're thinking about, well, could he be our backup? You start wondering, could he execute your scheme during the regular season? But right now, you're just trying to know, can he run your place? And then I think your guys that like are sitting are going to start uh, using some of the scheme of your first game opponent. I think I saw, I was watching Kyle Shanahan's press conference last week, and he even says, like, every day he tries to spend a little bit of time, or at least every other day, on one of their first four opponents. Right, just getting a feel for their defense, getting a feel for their personnel. So, and I would imagine a lot of coaches do that. Like, if you don't think, I don't even know who the, oh, the Chiefs play the Lions. <laughs> like, I'll promise you, if you just walked in Andy Reid's office this week, you're going to look up and see the Lions film on. I got no clue who the Chiefs are playing this week on the preseason. The big guy is going to start focusing on their first opponent. And trust me, he already has. He did it this summer. But I mean, specifically. Right, like he's gonna watch their preseason game. It's just he's gonna start getting his mind into their personnel, their backups, their scheme. He did it over the summer, even he admitted to it. Like, what did you do for vacation? He's like, worked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Belichick, same thing. Like, who do you think Belichick's watching? You going into his into his uh, office, Eagles play the Patriots, right? They're gonna be they're gonna be some Eagle film on. All the preseason games, uh seeing if he can glean anything scheme wise. Because they got new coordinators. So it's, there's a lot going on. It, it's, it honestly, I remember my first year in the NFL, it was overwhelming. It crossed my mind, like, maybe I can't cut it. I swear to God. Like, I, it, the whole season was intense, but that, that preseason was, that was intense. It is, it's overwhelming. Overwhelming is the wrong word. It's intense for Belichick, Howie Roseman, Pete Carroll, Kyle, McVeigh, whoever you are. It's, it's a lot going on. It's not overwhelming for those guys because they know it. If you're not just super organized, ex- experience helps, right? Once these guys been in the league a while, coach or executive, it's you understand how to attack it, but there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of players in the league. I'll never forget. I mean, I, the anxiety I have, I can feel it coursing through my veins right now. That first training camp was just like, holy shit, this is intense. Long-time listener, first time in the DMs. I feel like this may have been asked before, but do you think the NFL could do go to a subscription-based platform kind of like they have with NFL Plus already, but maybe the ability to subscribe to your favorite team as well as the league as a whole? I'm a Detroit fan that lives in Arkansas, so the only game I usually get to see 
is the Thanksgiving game. For me personally, I feel like this could be a good idea, although I'm not sure what would work with the TV deals. Well, this is the thing, bro. Think about this. And, and listen, it was more difficult with DirecTV in the package, but the internet's changed the game. So you'll get all your local games in Arkansas, whatever, CBS uh, and Fox, and then obviously you get the primetime games. But I would imagine in Arkansas you get a lot of Cowboys games, you're getting a lot of NFC East, and then the national games. YouTube TV now has the package. So you can get YouTube TV and watch every Lions game. That's I, I when I moved last year, I did it for the 49ers. Like I just got and I got the I only got the internet package, right? So I, I didn't have direct TV, but YouTube TV is gonna be incredible. I, I mean it's gonna be your best friend. So if you are and you have to get it this year, I mean your team might make the playoffs. So just get the package YouTube TV. I think it's a absolute no-brainer. Hey, John, longtime listener, alma mater city of Slow. That's where you're from. I'm a big Bengals fan. I'm constantly hearing how the Bengals won't be able to keep Burrow, Chase, and Higgins together. My question is, why not? Burrow has said multiple times that he will work his deal to keep everyone. T and Chase have both stated the plan to all be in Cincy for a while. What is your opinion? Well, my opinion is this. Yes, they can keep all three guys. But ideally, you like to have a you like to have like complementary pieces, right? You want a premium tackle, you want a linebacker, you want a corner, you want one highly paid wide receiver. It's hard to have duplicates at certain positions, right? Like Jamar Chase is going to be a Jordan uh, Justin Jefferson level number. Devontae Adams, his number is going to be enormous. Well, even if T Higgins is the second tier, that's still twenty million, right? So Joe Burrow, like we know the numbers, the con, like his contract is set. It's Herbert, a little more, right? It's one hundred ninety-five million dollars. It's whatever forty-five to fifty million dollars a year. You can't really avoid that. To me, it's not that they technically can't pay all three guys. It's that if T. Higgins has was a starting corner in the equivalent, like a really good fringe Pro Bowl guy, it'd be a no-brainer. You would just pay all three of them. But can you have two wide receivers? even if you fudge the salary cap, making that much money? I I just think you have to ask the question, fundamentally. Could you invest it into other positions? That that would be my question. Because Jamar Chase is going nowhere. So really, we're talking Chase and Burrow. Do you entertain, like, would you trade Higgins, like, play out this season, would you play Higgins, trade Higgins for, could you get, like, two twos? Like, would you entertain that? I think you have to think about it. From a team building standpoint. But yeah, you, you can financially afford to keep all of them, right? It's just, do you want two highly paid wide receivers? It makes it, it, makes it very difficult. Because what made, if you think about it, the Chiefs unique for all those years is Tyreek started making a lot, but Travis, because he plays tight end, is way cheaper. So they're not on the same wage scale. So if you have, let's say you have like a Luke Keekley or Fred Warner on the Bengals. You would be much more inclined, like, oh, this is easy. We pay this guy $15 million. We pay Jamar, right, $28 million, and Burrow, whatever. And it kind of bounces out at different positions. I think it gets very, very difficult, non-O or D linemen, to have duplicates making a shitload of money. Like, think about the Eagles right now. AJ makes a ton, but Devontae Smith doesn't make any money. They've paid uh, Dallas Goddard, but he's tight end. So relative to, like, he makes less than, like, Amari Cooper. That, that to me, you have to look at it from that perspective, not that technically you can pay them all. Yes. Then you just start cutting other positions. Heard you say you were going to Tahoe this weekend. What's your favorite spot around the lake is? And second, as a lifelong Niners fan from the Bay Area, what do you think the main reason Trey Lance failed with the Niners? I was so high on them when they traded up, 
but since I've hopped on the Purdy train, interested to hear your thoughts. I grew up going to South Lake. For those of you that don't know Lake Tahoe, that that is the side of the lake where the golf tournament is with all the celebrities and the athletes. And one of my best friends uh, had a house in this place called Fallen Leaf Lake, which is a little bit away from Lake Tahoe. Just an awesome place. A little less rules. You kind of have a good time on the boat. It's If any of you have seen The Bodyguard, it's where The Bodyguard was filmed. So South Lake is where the casinos are as well. I grew up going to South Lake. Well, the last couple of years, I've spent time on the West Shore. Um, it's pretty incredible. It's where The Godfather was filmed. Zuckerberg now has a place in that kind of compound. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. My brother's wife has a place in Incline Village, which is on the Nevada side which they now have named Income Village because a lot of people have gone there to avoid the California state taxes because you go from 13 to zero past an imaginary line. <laughs> you know, you, a lot of people complain about taxes, but until you cross an imaginary line and see them on your tax sheet, you're like, damn, this is pretty good living. I just cross a, a line that doesn't even exist. Uh, and that, we, we spent time there on Saturday at Incline. It was beach, the bar, the pool is pretty badass. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't discriminate when it comes to Lake Tahoe. Uh, I still like South Shore. I think the West Shore hadn't spent that much time. It's badass. In Incline Village, if podcasting goes well for me and I ever get a place there, it would be on the Nevada sight line for 100% sure. And on Trey Lance, I, I, he's just not good enough. I, I think it's just that simple. It's just he doesn't have, he doesn't see the field. He doesn't look like a natural quarterback. I, I think it's just that simple. Like when you watch even a lot of the hybrid players, think of like Kyler Murray. He's got some flaws or whatever, but when he's playing well, you're just like, God, he just guy just looks like a quarterback. Most of the guys that are good in the NFL, they just might have bad plays or whatever. Dak, Cousins, think about some of the guys we nitpick, Derek Carr. They, they still feel like, like you just watch them. You go, yeah, he's got some flaws. Like when I watch Trey, I watch a guy, I was in the car, I listened to Michael Lombardi's podcast. It's like he looks like a guy, maybe his co-host said this, and I was like, that's a pretty good line. He looks like a guy playing a quarterback in a movie. It's just not natural to him. You know, and I think you go back to none of the teams in the Big Ten offer him scholarships to play quarterback. You know, sometimes you can get by with talent at lower levels. I think it's very, very difficult in the pros. And the NFL is a lot about accuracy, touch, manipulation, being calm under pressure, which is hard. It's why these guys make so much money. Joe Burrow, Mahomes, like these guys are so calm under pressure. Even the guys we nitpick, Kirk Cousins and Dak, like they do it at such a higher level than the guys that can't. And I think there's a level of Trey, stuff you can't quantify, right? You can see the ball wobbling. You can see an incomplete pass. But it's hard to quantify like no one's in his eyes but himself. But like coaches know. They go, yeah, he doesn't see it. I bet that's something that like when a lot of coaches throughout the NFL watch Trey Lance's tape, the number one thing they'll say is like, ah, he just doesn't see it. And sometimes you can coach up a guy to see it because of the offense, because of the scheme. Listen, I know he hasn't played, but he's been in the scheme now for three years. Sam Darnold showed up yesterday. Brandon Allen showed up this year. Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick last year. Shouldn't be that difficult in preseason games. I don't give a shit how bad your offensive line is. Like, he, he wouldn't pull the trigger. Like, he kept hesitating. It's like, you got to let it rip. I understand if, if C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, like they've been in an NFL pads and a helmet now for 15 days. This dude's been in the league for three years. 
So even if he hasn't played that many games, every day at practice with these guys, every day for years. I recently read an article that Trent Williams compared Brock Purdy to Cousins. Williams stated in the article that both Cousins and Purdy were similar in that they both took football very seriously. I would be happy if Brock turns out to be similar in play style to Cousins. But what does Purdy need to do to show to be on the level of Drew Brees? Uh, here's the thing. I, I, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's very unfair, and I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Our first comparison is always the highest-end guy. Like, oh, this guy kind of looks like Steph Curry. It's like, oh, could this be the next Tiger Woods? It's like, shit. Is this guy kind of like process like Peyton Manning? I think we need to start at the Cousins at best, right? And even that. I mean, this guy's going to go on to be a 12-, 13-year starter. I think the thing with Purdy that does different in Cousins, and right now Cousins' arm, which I think got better throughout his career. I think the version of Cousins' arm in Minnesota was better early than early on in his career. Like, I think he's got a pretty good arm. I think he's got a better arm than Dak as a guy that he gets compared to a lot. Cousins is not a very good athlete relative to the NFL people. So he can't scramble. He can't ad-lib. Purdy is a, is a better athlete than Cousins. Purdy can move. The difference, though, is Cousins is a little taller, so it's easier for him to see. I guess maybe Cousins is a little shorter to think, actually. The thing with Drew Brees, Drew Brees did not move. I mean, occasionally on some boot and like waggle stuff. But he was not, I would not consider Drew Brees the athlete. Uh, not that he was a bad athlete, but his he was a pocket quarterback. And the offense that Sean Payton, like they were just perfect for each other. So can he be that version to Kyle, which is insane to even say. I mean, Drew Brees is a first bout Hall of Famer and won a Super Bowl. And a lot of their success was him. Where Purdy, who actually was really good statistically and eye tests and everything last year, has a long way to go from being the guy that the team depends on. So I think he just has to just, I don't know, throw 35 touchdowns this year, <laughs> which he should be able to. They got Debo Samuel, they got Christian McCaffrey, they got Brandon Ayuk, they got George Kittle, like they, they got dudes. Juwan Jennings is a good player, but he's got, let's just, let's just like become Derek Carr. You know, and Kirk Cousins early on in their career and then go from there. I'm guilty of that too. Other than the Vikings finishing a miraculous 8-0, I think it was in one-score games last year. Why do you think it is that a lot of people are taking the Lions to win the NFC North over the Vikings this year? Well, I think you could make the argument that the talent on the two teams is not that far apart. I think the Lions have added a ton of talent. I mean, I think Hutchinson's going to be a stud. So is Hutchinson the best D lineman of the two teams? You know, is there that big of a gap of Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins if Jared Goff is going to play like he did last year? You know, it's not like the Vikings have some super established coach, really good season, but it was one year. Now, the Lions have a lot of question marks too, right, in terms of Dan Campbell. But I watched those games last year, especially I think the one in Detroit that Minnesota came back to win. Like, if you, I don't know if I watched both of them. I definitely vividly remember watching the one in Detroit thinking like, I don't see the difference in the talent on these two teams. I, I really don't. And there's a physical nature to Detroit that I thought at the end of the season that Minnesota didn't have. Now you had Flores, that the defense could be better. I think it's fair to say it's probably closer to a coin flip than it is everyone picking the Lions. I'm going to pick the Lions. I just believe in their talent. Now, I don't think the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to be good. I, I really do. Hey, John. Got to give you a big shout-out before anything else. <laughs> I like this guy, Mike. Your content has gotten me through the summer with no football. Props for making it happen. Appreciate you. I always love when your life and career advice. 
I feel like I remember you mentioning you had a small career gap between your time as a scout and your time in radio. What did you do in the intermediary to make ends meet? How did you balance the demands of life while still developing, launching your new career? Well, when I got fired, contract not extended, however you want to, uh, to define it, in Philly, I was living in San Francisco. Now, I was lucky that I had a buddy, a family friend, my cousins were good friends with, who was crushing it in San Francisco. So he had rented me a room in a city that was shooting like a rocket ship at the time in 2013 with tech money. My, my room was like $800. Right, the same room, the equivalent should have been forex that. So I was paying nothing in rent, and then I would say by within a couple months. Now I took unemployment. I remember I never knew anything about unemployment. I'd never been unemployed. Hell, I'd only been working in my late twenties. Right, I mean I was thirty years old. It's like what I don't even know what unemployment is. Beside in my mind, like thinking unemployment was something that like I had too much pride to do it. And then my cousin, who's a business owner, is like, bro, that's your money. You paid into it. Like that's you give that money there. Don't be an idiot. Use it. So I was able to use that to survive for a couple months as I just started doing like Mike Silver helped get me in the local Comcast and I started doing some local TV. I started doing radio hits and I started making money. I, I was able to make not much, but you have to remember when I got fired in the NFL, I was making 50 grand. So it wasn't like a lot of my friends in the real world, you know, private sector jobs were already by that time and at 30 years old making 150, 200 grand, 300 grand. I mean, they were crushing it, right? I, I was by far the poorest person of anyone that I hung out with, not in football. So my standard of living was not that high. And I was able to start making several thousand dollars a month kind of hustling as actually I was taking unemployment too, because I was only working part time. And then it just kind of materialized relatively fast. I got I was doing full-time radio basically by that fall and doing TV all the time. So it, it just kind of happened quick. And I started doing some stuff with Bleacher Report. Um yeah, just I you know, part of it when you've never made any money, even it's not like I was 22, you know, I was 29, 30 years old. You're kind of naive. Maybe I was 29. Maybe I, yeah, I was 29. Maybe you're a little naive to the pressure and what like god, I don't really have a future. What am I going to do? I wasn't really that scared, you know, and I think it actually has served me well as I've gotten older of like, you know, listen, I, I fired whatever. I mean, it's like it, things, some, some stuff is out of your control. Now, it's easier said than done. If you got a couple kids, you got a big mortgage payment. Like my life is completely different now, right? I'm to hell. I'm still paying for an office and I got a mortgage payment starting on this new house. So and I got a big construction project going. So, like, as you get older, things change. I don't even have kids yet. But I, I think it really helped that I was pretty naive, and I honestly wasn't really that scared. And, I, you know, I was very lucky to have a mom and dad that didn't really say, like, uh, you got to find a job right away. Figure it out. You know, they didn't. I didn't really have, like, outside pressure that messed with my head. So I just kind of swung my pick, and I hustled. I'm a hustler by nature. So I, I got in pr relatively quick, and there was some luck. I had a buddy that had a radio show guy at the local radio station. And it just should happen fast. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm lucky because I had spent, you know, basically six years working in football, 100-hour weeks, making nothing. Like, I, I was in position to talk about football, and I'm just a natural talker, so it was a perfect transition. I, you know, I, I, I meant for more for this medium than working in football, but I know football better than anyone that hasn't worked in football that talks about it for a living. So, it's like, I, I feel pretty comfortable I was pretty confident, I guess, when I made the transition. I also, one thing that served me well 
is I didn't want to get back to the NFL. So I immediately just started saying what I think. Like I, I was just authentic in the way I talked about it. Like this guy sucks. I don't think this coach is any good. And it's what a lot of guys that want to get back into sports, like Bob Myers, who's won four championships, was the GM of the, the Dynasty Warriors, is going to start working for ESPN on NBA Countdown. I have zero faith. And Bob's a high-level guy. He is going to talk shit about players and coaches. He's not going to do it. And if you're not willing to do it, it's just going to be hard to be good at what we do. Because you got to speak for the fan. And the fan sees it. We all see it. And he, everyone's thinking it. Are you just willing to say it? And if you're not willing to say it, then you can't hack it. And I was willing to say it immediately. And at the time, Harbaugh was going through some stuff. The Raiders were a disaster. And I came in guns blazing. I mean, I was firing from every freaking angle. I, think I, I, I say what I think now. I mean, at the time, I did not give a shit. And it served me well. Um, so, yeah. Sometimes you got to be careful, depending on what you do, though. That's not, that's, don't take that tactic for everything. Have a good one. I will be back again probably tomorrow. I'll do another podcast. A lot going on in the league. And I took, I didn't have a Monday pod, so I got, I got to keep pumping them out. And let's, uh, let's all have a good week. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.